Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Listnick Behind the Curtain, my chance to step away from the world of politics on television and talk about the world of the arts. Although, you know, actually, this show is pretty interesting because it doesn't really put politics aside. Uh, I mean, certainly not the politics of yesterday, and arguably, it has to do with the politics of today. You'll understand very much so when you meet my guest for this show, because he is like a, a one-man talent. He's everything. Uh, Ronnie Marmo is returning to Chicago in the show, which is known as I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce, and this is about Lenny Bruce. And Ronnie, you've been in movies and on television, and we'll talk about who directed you in this because he's a well-known Chicago name as well. But it's good to see you again. It's been a while. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. Wow, what an introduction. I, I Thank you very much. Well, so the last time, tell me if I'm right, the last time you were in Chicago, you were doing uh, the Lenny Bruce show and then COVID shut you down, right? Well, there was an in-between. So we were here at the Royal George, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, which is heartbreaking. We were the last show at the Royal George. So I was doing Lenny there, ran beautifully for six months and uh, COVID shut us down. And about a year and a half later, um, we decided to try to come back in November of 2021 and we opened at a, a new space at the venus uh cabaret space oh, of course i saw you there of course next to, next to the mercury <laughs> yeah you did see that so we opened at the venus which was great it was a wonderful little cabaret space ran for basically another six months and uh and so that was great and then we decided to take it on the road and you know we've been on a national tour now and we've been very lucky. We've been invited back to Chicago for two performances. And so we're so excited. You know? We're going to talk about that. In fact, obviously, you're on national tour because you seem to be somewhere very lovely right now. I am in Laguna Beach. Uh, I don't mean to show off. It's beautiful. here. Although Chicago weather is perfect right now. Uh, I'm in Laguna Beach. We're playing Laguna Playhouse uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, we run Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week. And uh, it's a beautiful 400-seat venue. And then uh, then we go on. We go to a few conferences, to uh, booking conferences for the show. And then next, I'll be in Chicago. That's my next stop. And that's going to be on September 9th. And by the way, if I want to send you flowers, I see your apartment number behind you. So I'll just use that, ap- <laughs> use that apartment number. Well, send them soon because I'll be leaving by I don't know, <laughs> Sunday. Whenever. So look, you know, so many people have seen the show here in Chicago. I've seen it many times. I mean, it's just such a great experience. And I want to go to something fundamental with you because you are performing this at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts. Now, that is not, let me be blunt, we'll talk about what the show's all about, but um, it is not the intimacy of the Royal George in the space you were in. It's not the intimacy of the Venus Cabaret, which is incredibly intimate. And Lenny has always been, because it's the way I've seen it, a very intimate performance with you. It's like truly being with you and getting to know you. So now that you're going to be in a big space, then we'll talk about the show and Lenny Bruce, but what's it like for you? Uh, Or or do you more typically do it in a large space? And it was Chicago that got you intimately. It's interesting. I started very intimate in Los Angeles, then Chicago, then New York, well, New York, and then Chicago, and they were all under 200 seat houses. And when we first started to get offers to play them in 500 seat houses, a thousand seat houses, I played 1600 seats in Pittsburgh. And I, to be honest, with you, I was freaking out a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> first of all, is the show going to work in 1600 seats? And then second of all, uh oh my god look at all those people just staring at me and i have to do this one-man show i was never so focused in my life um joe and i were concerned and what we realized well you just said joe and i didn't mention before who your famous chicago loving and loved uh, director is so joe who joe montagna the one and only 
Right. Um, but Joe and I were nervous about it, and we, we were so delighted to find out that it works. It works great. Um, we still, there's still an intimacy to the show. Uh, the only real change for me technically was when I would get a great laugh in the back, it would roll. And so my timing was a little off. It would come I, to you later. Yeah, the show is very rhythmic, you know, and I take three steps. I say the line. I do the thing, you know, and this time I was like, here comes the roll. Oh, I got to wait on that laugh. You know, uh, it works. It works great. And that's what I'm so proud of the show. And we're doing 900 seats in Chicago. Yeah, and, I know. and I'm so excited and, you know, always a little nervous, but that's that's the magic of it. Right. Well, and I, I'm going to say this. I'll say it later. But tickets can be gotten at NorthShoreCenter.org. And what's unusual I want to ask you this too. It's one day, two performances, two o'clock, eight o'clock. You're usually here for six months. Why do we get you for a day? You know, I don't know. It's kind of just part of the national tour. You know, uh, Skokie is very nice. And I had been talking to them. They came and saw the show in at the Royal George, I think. So there's been a discussion for years. And I uh, they reached out and said, listen, uh, would you want to come do it here? And of course, the answer is, I left a big piece of my heart in Chicago. And so it's very hard to, I mean, I made lifelong friends there, uh, Paul. And so I was like, yes. And so they're like, how about two shows one day? This is the perfect time. I said, I'm in. And, uh, Have you been to the North Shore? Have you seen the theater yet? I walked in for a minute uh, a couple of years ago because I saw... Um, Lacage, I think. What did I see? Uh, yeah, you the, saw. Well, you probably. Yeah, you could have seen Lacage being uh, music theater works. Yeah, in the smaller yeah. space. And right. then I said, "Hey, can I stick my head in the other space?" And they said yes. And there was a rehearsal going on, but I did stick my head in. And, uh, I was like, "Wow, this is beautiful. Let's play this space." You know. And, and indeed, what's playing there now is the producers by Music Theater Works in that large space. But they will be gone by the time you get there. I hope. Otherwise, it'll be a very busy stage. That would be a funny performance. <laughs> yeah, you and Bia- you and Bialystok. Me and um, Bialystok. And the toilet. Exactly, you know? Right. Exactly. Yes, that's right. Good memory. All right, but actually, there's one in producer. So it's it's that's why I said good memory, because there's one in there, too. So we have oh, we can just share the toilet. We can right. share. It. All right. Let me take a step back. Now we got to talk about the show. I just did all that because I just think a lot of people watching us know who you are and know the Lenny Bruce show that you do. But now we have people watching. We're saying, I'm sorry, I don't. So catch me up. So who is Lenny Bruce and what is this show all about? Lenny Bruce was a comic who sadly passed away in 1966. Uh, he was 40 of an overdose. And uh, if you love George Carlin, if you love Richard Pryor, if you love Chappelle, if you love comedy, I mean, if you signed for Joan, River, Joan Rivers, of course, Sarah Silverman, uh, he uh, all the way down to Seinfeld, really, even though he's a clean comic. If you love comedy, this guy really paved the way and, you know, he gave up ultimately his life uh, to fight free speech because he was getting arrested. Uh, in fact, his first arrest was in Chicago uh, and he was arrested in the early 60s uh, for doing a bit called Religions Incorporated and a Catholic cop. He made the Pope Jewish. It was very funny. And a Catholic cop was offended and arrested him and they charged him with obscenity and they went on and on. to. They kept arresting him and charging him. And eventually he got convicted of obscenity. Uh, and in New York and was uh, convicted and sentenced to four months on Rikers Island uh, for words in this country in 1966. And then he passed away when he was out on appeal. So he never did the actual time, but he was, uh, this guy was a martyr. I mean, he, he fought free speech and not, not because that was his shtick. He really believed in it, you know, Um, 
he thought you know comedy was a place uh, comedy clubs were a place to talk about taboo subjects to examine the world and uh boy uh he was the first and there, you know there's always that first guy who pays the ultimate price and then everybody else benefits you know and much of this show it's his actual material right you are presenting lenny bruce material Oh yeah, yeah, that's what's beautiful about the show. We're doing I'm doing many, many of his bits, but it's also not a tribute show. You know, it's been interesting lately. People are trying to book the show and they're like, Oh, come do the tribute show. I'm like, no, no, this is a, a theatrical production yeah. where we take you through his life and then every so often I flash back into the fifties and sixties and do his material. But we are taking you through a journey in ninety minutes where you really meet the man and uh and I'm proud to say a lot of the material is not something you'll find on Google. It's private stuff. And so it's pretty cool. You know, it's really, I, I think, the most thorough Lenny Bruce show so far that I've seen in film and TV and everything. You really get to know him. And the good news is you're doing with with the blessing of the Lenny Bruce estate. And in fact, you've gotten to know very well his daughter, Kitty, who I missed her when she was in Chicago, but she came to see you in Chicago. Yeah, she's a, she's family. I mean, it's really wild how I've been able to, to do this show, uh, with her blessing, which, you know, we've, we've had an embarrassment of riches with reviews and such, but like, she's the ultimate review, you know, it's like I'm playing her dad. She's an only child of Lenny Bruce. And so. No, I was looking back at the, at the reviews that you've gotten. I mean, I, we, we talked about them before, but one stuck out at me this time for a reason you'll understand. Uh, because I went, oh, that's right. And this review says, a terrific show about a true genius who was ahead of his time. Go see. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. And those were the words of Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, yeah. Um, it's been crazy. I mean, to think about the people who've shown up at the show. Tony, I was in New York, and some you know, stage manager says, Tony Bennett's in the front row. I'm like, what? You know, then it's <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I was like going crazy. And, you know, we've had Billy Crystal, Barry Levinson, Patty Lapone. We've had all these huge Richard Lewis, all these Paul Reiser. Goes on and on and on. And these people have shown up and, you know, uh, it's mind blowing that everyone wants to come see Lenny again. Uh, you know, Mayor Dinkins in New York, uh, Congressman Charlie Rangel came. I mean, all these people are like, I want to see Lenny. I want to hear from Lenny. Bonnie Hunt, too, by the way, right? Oh, Bonnie in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie Hunt came. Who else? Uh, Chris Chelios from the, the Chicago Blackhawks came. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll be back for your day. So talk about the, your work with Joe Mantegna, because we, we we know him for just, you know, when we think of him, Criminal Minds and, and all the sort of uh, mafia type stuff that he does. Um, but this is perfect for Joe Mantegna. Yeah, Joe, you know, when I when I wrote this, because I wrote the play, when I wrote it, I realized I needed just the perfect person with a gentle hand, but somebody I really respected because the material is dense and we always say in the wrong hands of the wrong director and the wrong performer, this could get really indulgent. Yeah. And, and I knew that we needed a good pace and a good energy. And I needed somebody that when they said yes or no, I would actually respect that. And Joe is like, you know, he's, he's one of my heroes, uh, has always been. And, uh, he's, he was perfect because there were two or three pieces of direction he gave me in the play where I'm like, Joe, that is so over the top. Please don't make me do that. You know? And, and he goes, he'd go, listen, kid, you know, he calls me kid. Listen, kid, I'm telling you, just do what I'm telling you. All right, Joe. All right. And, and of course he was right. And, uh, and, and once or twice I said, Joe, no, please no. And then he goes, okay. All right. So 
Did, you know, did he have to step back? And when you went from doing some of these, again, more intimate, I'm not going to say smaller venues because it's not about small, it's about intimate, um, to these larger, less intimate venues. But did you did Joe have to come back in and say, all right, we've got some adjusting to do? He was He was concerned at first, and then my performance didn't change at all. I didn't change anything. I, I just played to the back of the room as if it was, you know, 30 feet closer. I mean, this is bizarre. Um, I, I would be lying if I didn't say like, okay, we have three decks of people, 1600 people. I made sure I gave them a little taste once in a while up there, but I just did the show. I, I, and, and we were both like, it works. This is great. And so, uh, he's still tinkering as we go. And, and, and I want that because I've done the show now. Before Laguna, it's 423 performances. And that's a lot of times to do a 90 yeah. monologue. So how do you keep it fresh? You know, you, every once in a while, you're like, hey, why don't you try this? Oh, okay. Well, actually, and that, of course, I know it's a common question. I hate asking questions. I know you're asked a lot, but but that is one of them. It is a solo show. It's, there's not a night you can even relax a bit and let your co-stars kind of pick up some slack. It is you, man. And but but I'm guessing that's the adrenaline that drives you, right? Because there is only you on the stage. But are there nights? I'm just curious. Are there nights you come out there and 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 sort of say, oh, "I've been doing this. This is my eighth show this week, and I wouldn't mind just watching a game at home right now." Well, sure. Well, first, let me say my co-star and my scene partner is the audience. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, very much so. You use us. Yeah. So I I really hope there are nights when they're staring at me like I have three heads, and it's an. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's funny. And I, and I, you know, I try not to throw little temper tantrums on stage, but it's a big show. And so I, I always say the show's really good, right? But it's great. There's another place we go to when the audience takes me there. There's this other little place that I can't explain, uh, that it's one of those nights in the theater. You go, I was there. I was there. And we've had, you know, a couple of hundred of those, but we've also had a couple of hundred when I'm like, that was a joke, everybody. You know, and I'll sometimes <laughs> say it because I'm a brat on stage. I'm like, you know, hard I'm working. Laugh with that, please. Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, there are times that like, I mean, I'm a human being. So I would be lying if I didn't say sometimes a page or two will go by and I'm thinking of my laundry and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> did, did I do that material? Did I just a bit? And then I step back in. I never give up a whole performance. I, I don't have it in my blood to do that. But every once in a while, a page goes by. And then I'll, I'll even say to the audience, did I just do the bit? And then, <laughs> hey, yeah, you just did the bit. Oh, okay. And going. there's something that doesn't seem outside. I mean, I'm not an expert in Lenny Bruce as you are, but I certainly know a lot about his career. And by the way, something I should have looked up beforehand, but I thought about it just as you're saying this. I always I picture Lenny Bruce in his intimate, in those in the Mr. Kelly's kinds of clubs oh, yeah. uh, that he would, that he would play back then. Uh, did Bruce ever play large? I mean, Jerry Seinfeld's coming to the United Center. I don't. know. Did Bruce ever play anything like? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. He played um, uh, huge venues. What was the big? Oh my god, I can't. But he played Berkeley. Um, his what? Oh my god, I'm blank right now. The most famous performance they said it was him at his best was in New York. Madison it was where? No, it wasn't Madison Square. Oh my God, I'm blank. I know, of course. That's I know all right. This. We'll come up with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But but he, but it was it was one night in New York. Uh, it it, this, it was like four feet of snow, and they were going to cancel the show, and he had to get there from Miami. And the long and the short of it, he ended up showing up. He got there, and there wasn't an empty seat. Everybody came in four feet of snow, and they say it was the greatest performance of his life. There's a live album. I I, I cannot believe I'm blank. It's early here in Laguna. I'm still uh. Still working on some coffee. I need one more. <laughs> okay. 
But anyway, so yes, he did play big houses, but very much like this show, I think he just told the truth and kept it intimate, even though there were people you couldn't see in the back row, you know? Very few people around today, you know, were here when Lenny Bruce was around. So you are Lenny Bruce to them. And, and I, and for me, you are, I mean, it's just, you know, other than watching his videos and you do capture him, but it's like, if you've never seen Lenny Bruce, seeing you is as close as perhaps we're going to get. Um, does Kitty ever say his daughter, does she ever say anything to you like that? Like you're freaking me out or it's kind of like being with my dad. What? She slips up sometimes and calls me Lenny. Um, not really. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she also said it was, you know, I was the greatest betrayal of her father she's ever seen. Um, which is really, you know, amazing. But yes, you know, we it, it's wild because I realized that for this next generation, to a lot of people, I am Lenny Bruce. And I also realized because I did the audio, uh, the audio book, I recorded his uh, autobiography, How to Talk Dirty and Influence People. That was Lenny's autobiography. And I recorded it as Lenny. So if you're if you're into audio books and I get a message once in a while saying, I just got the audio book. So for those people as well. So it's a it's a humongous blessing uh, to be considered, you know, when you when you write something like this, you go, okay, it's going to be a great piece of material. But then it ends up becoming like a really important part of your body of work. It's really wild. It's wild. How did this start? For, look, you were in General Hospital for three years. So, I mean, you've got, you've got this very career of stuff you've done. How did, when did Lenny Bruce come into your life? And when did you say this needs to be a project? I'd say, I don't know, about 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, this wonderful comic called Charlie Brill. Charlie, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, Charlie's one of my dearest friends. Yeah. Charlie Brill and Mitzi McCall, they're a great comedy duo. Charlie and I have lunch every Wednesday. The guys love me. Charlie was Jack Burns, rest his soul. He just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bobcat, all these. Oh, Bob lives back in Chicago, by the way. Uh, he just moved back there. So uh, Bob. Come to your show. I know I got to I got to get him in. So Bob and all these people, we get together and have lunch. And one day Charlie says to me, do you know who Lenny Bruce was? And I said, this is almost 20 years ago. And I go, yeah, I, a little bit. But, you know, I'm into Carlin and Pryor because I'm younger. I wasn't around. He's like, you remind me of Lenny. Somebody wrote a play called Lenny's Back and boy, is he pissed. <laughs> he, said, he goes, I want you to do it. I'll direct it. Well, it took two years to talk me into it uh, because I was nervous because Lenny's friends at that point would have just been in their 80s and living in Los Angeles. So I was kind of like, ah, well, he talked me into it. I did the play. I fell in love. And it was kind of a version which was a good introduction to Lenny, but we weren't doing his actual bits. We weren't doing the material. So I set out to get the rights and do I wanted to tell a more gritty, in-your-face, honest version of Lenny Bruce, warts and all. And uh, and so that's when I was introduced to Lenny. And then I realized while I was working on the play, we had so many parallels and so many things that I was like, wow, I, I really find my way honestly into this guy. And, uh, and then I realized how important he was. And uh, it just, let's say it was the perfect storm, you know? You know, when I, when I open the interview, I always sort of start by letting my audience know I'm kind of leaving the politics of the TV world to, to do this, the world of entertainment. But I said, here, there's kind of a, a bridge between the two. And, and obviously, so Lenny Bruce and his comedy of the 50s and the 60s, and one would argue, well, that was then. What's the relevance? But you can't help but watch the show. I mean, is it, look, there's a lot, I will say, I don't know that I bring little kids to it. There's a lot of bad language in this show, unless you don't care, and then it's fine. Um, but, but. Lenny Bruce dealt with those kinds of censorship issues and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, it's happening again today. Go to Florida. I mean, it is happening again today. You know, 
it's totally relevant, uh, especially politically. Uh, in terms of the language, you know, it's always a funny conversation because, you know, my daughter, I let her see it at 12 or 13 hmm. uh, because I thought there was so much of an education in the play that she needed to know about. And then when I overheard, overhear her and her girlfriends on the telephone, I go, oh, they're ready for this language. <laughs> they're talking dirtier than Lenny Bruce, right? <laughs> yeah, Lenny Bruce is very tame compared to what these kids are saying in the schoolyard. I can lose for you. But anyway, uh, yes, I mean, it. what I find interesting, Paul, is Lenny clearly was a guy on the left. He fought for the brown and black people of the 60s, 50s and 60s. He was the voice of the people on the left. And wouldn't you know it, but after, after George Floyd and all of that and the rioting, suddenly I started to see my audience shift. Now, the people on the left are still coming, but the people on the right are showing up thinking I'm doing the show for them because they're saying, yeah, free speech, mind your business. I'll say what I want. Think about that. So, Lenny, I don't know if you're going over his, in his grave or what, but but the point is, is everybody seems to think the show is for them. And as a producer and a performer, I'm like thrilled because because I do believe theater has the power to move people and change people. And I do think it, it can be an education. And so everybody showing up my show now is is really pretty much anybody. And Lenny fought for free speech. It's still a very hot topic, more than ever, as you know. Yeah, uh, it seems like we've we've regressed in a lot of ways, um, and so I'm proud to present something that, whether I agree or not agree with everyone in the audience personally, it doesn't matter because I, I can't just be friends with people that think like me, right? So I open the fact that the show is a big conversation starter. I'm happy to have those conversations. And and you could be my friend and not have my thoughts, you know? So Lenny, when he when he did his performance, I guess I hadn't thought about this, but I guess his appeal was to the left, right? He would he would bring in a more million of a percent. A million yeah. percent. And what's funny now is that a lot of the younger uh, lefty generation, you know, with cancel culture and free speech, some of them have been like, hmm, Lenny can't say whatever he wants. And I'm like, well. He can, and that and comedy clubs need to stay free speech zones. You can combat that by not buying a ticket. You know what I mean? That's why the cancel culture. I thought there was a lot of value in cancel culture in terms of like, okay, if you're doing illegal stuff or misusing your power or misbehave, that's a different conversation. We should yeah. all learn something. But when it comes to stand-up comedy, you could simply not go to the show. And 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 people don't realize that, like. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean I don't have to not like it. You know, this is making me think. In in, in September, um, I'm getting an award from Porchlight Music Theater, but um, uh, but also getting an award with Ben Vereen uh, the same night. And, I love uh, Ben Vereen. He's a friend. He saw the show. Well, I will. I'm going to see Ben. I have dinner with him, so I will certainly give him a, give, give him a kiss. Say, Ronnie, say hello. Absolutely, I absolutely will. And I will be interviewing him in front of the audience that night. And right. one of the sort of pieces of his life that triggers here um, is I, I think about the fact that, you know, you talk about certain stars like Sammy Davis Jr. or whoever who got friendly with the Republican president uh, and it cost them in their career because in the entertainment world, things seem to sort of shift more left. Um, and, you know, even and Jackie Mason, by the way, who, you know, incredible sense of humor, but he was he was a Donald Trump supporter and all that. I'm sort of curious, did, did to your knowledge, did Lenny Bruce... Was there ever, ever any hanging around, you know, liberal or democratic politicians in his world? Because because of his language, I would think they would want to keep a distance from him. 
You know, I don't know how to answer that. I, by the way, I moved into the house. I heard a loud truck. I thought we were going to get a tour to see how clean it was. Uh, well, it's really looking great. But <laughs> it smells good. It smells lemony fresh. Uh, do I? You know, it's an interesting question because I I don't know the answer to that. I I, I wish I I knew a little more. There's not a lot on Lenny. You'd be shocked. I mean. I, I know what I know, but I don't know who he was hanging out with. But I mm. I will tell you, he did, you know, he definitely offended. Uh, do you know who Vern Meter was? Yes. Well, Vern did Kennedy assassinate, uh, Kennedy. Uh, uh, Wait, was it Vaughn, Vaughn Meter, right? Vaughn, Vaughn Meter, yeah. sorry. I'm thinking of Vern, uh, what's the, the gentleman who was in uh, the the actor who he's, uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, you, right. He's in a, was great. had all the first family albums. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he did a Kennedy impression, right? And the night that uh, Vaughn uh, passed away, when he died, I'm sorry, night Kennedy died. Everybody came to hear Lenny. They wanted to know what Lenny was going to say. They people packed into this club where Lenny was playing, and he literally came on stage and he sat there for five minutes. The night Kennedy was assassinated, and he goes, "Poor Vaughn Meter," and he walked off stage. Because because that's the end of his career, you know. Wow. Because he did Kennedy and everybody. So right. people, the reason I tell that story is because people, I don't know who he was hanging out with, but I'll wow. tell you that people were interested in his thoughts about everything. He had he had a, he had an opinion that people wanted to hear. So I don't know who he was spending his time with, but yeah, it, it's safe to say I think he. Well, he definitely was on the left, but I think he probably spent time with those folks. Yeah, I just, I guess I just think of because he was on the left, but yet because of the language and the whatever, if he was invited to the Obama White House or if he was invited to the Biden White House today, um, you know, I mean, you'd have to say you can't really do the act that you typically do, I don't think. Well, were the people on the right, I, I think they were, you know, obviously more conservative. That's the, that's the whole thing. So I would think that would mean language as well. So I think he... I don't know. It's interesting. It's a very interesting question. Well, one, you know, one of the things that you and part of what triggered that in my head was, and this comes from a quote that, that you say as you, you talk about the show. I'm just going to the end of it. You said, in certain ways, we progressed since Lenny with, with, was with us. And in many, we have regressed. That's what makes me think of all of this. Yeah, and I think that was your point. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because like whether you're a Trumper or not, he really opened a can of worms uh, now, you know, when Trump first hit the scene uh, in terms of running for president, there was an attraction, I think, to him because we were so sick of politics. And we're like, OK, we, a businessman, like I could see why people were attracted. Sure. At some point, you would hope that character matters and then people would care about character because, you know, uh, listen, I, I I voted for Obama. I don't care who knows that. And, and and when I did, like, do I think he did everything perfectly? No, of course not. But I was proud of him. And I went like, I'm proud of this guy. Like, I'm glad that he, you know, I, I was just proud of the way he carried himself. And so that mattered to me. President's a tough gig, man. You know, it's a tough job. And I, I don't know who would hit a grand slam. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough job. So I don't know. You know, I... Uh, I think I think Trump uncovered a a lot of people who were just wanted something different and feel maybe feel like their voice hasn't been heard in so long, and and he represents something like that. And, you well, know. certainly in your performance, take it back to the world of performance. It's a very raw performance. 
Um, it, it involves an opening scene that involves you truly exposing yourself in many ways, both in terms of who you are, but also physically, which I'm not sure. Maybe it's tougher to do in front of 900 people. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, maybe it's easier. Exactly. It's actually easier. That's easier. Why, yeah, it's easier. We're not on top of you. <laughs> I don't care. I, you know, it's so funny. I start to play naked as you know, but it's very tasteful. I mean, it's lit beautiful and you don't, you don't see all that much. Um, my inner monologue, uh, at that time is it's cold in here, you know, because it's, you know, it's scary to be naked, right. but it, it's really, uh, yeah, but yes, I expose myself as a very vulnerable performance. Yes. But by the way, that's not being done. It's not gratuitous. I mean, let's make that point. It's not a gratuitous thing. This um, is. No, this was about where Lenny was at that moment. This is happening. Yeah, we were like, what's the most tasteful, classy way we can show the truth? And uh, and so we did that. Joe and I lit it beautifully. I'm very proud of it. Uh, unless you sit all the way house right, uh, really, the mystery's not over. Uh, <laughs> but if you sit house right, there's a chance. Let me uh, make a note of getting our seat on the house right. Oh, oh, <laughs> all the way house right, yeah. But um I actually met my wife. She came to the Chicago performance, the Royal George, and there was only one ticket left. Uh, it was sold out front row all the way house. Right. So she was shopping already for, and she, uh, obviously it worked out. We're married now. So <laughs> that's good. So I, I knew it was a relatively new relationship, but I didn't know it was Chicago. Oh yeah. We met in Chicago in, uh, November of, uh, 2019. You should be living here. I, I'm so happy there. And guess who married us? Guess who got ordained and married us? I, somebody from WGN? I don't know. Joe Montaigne. Oh, I should have realized. Okay. Cause I could have married you. I probably am a minister in the same church Joe is that universal life. I forget the name of it, but I've got yeah. it. Joe, he, I asked him to do it and he got ordained probably in the same church. He did. 1995. And he's so funny that he couldn't wait to show me his badge. He had a bumper sticker. He put it on his car. <laughs> All day he was opening his jacket. Look, I'm certified. I go, I know, Joe. I know. It was he's, extra. There was a rabbinical certificate that I wanted. It was $10 more. I went, I'm not paying another $10. I'm not paying 10 bucks. Be a That's minister. That would go for. So, Ronnie, when people leave this show, um, and is there intermission? Well, how long will the, does the show run now? It's a 90-minute show. There is no intermission. So still, uh, it's still that way. Still that way. It's 90 minutes. We start and we finish. Uh, quite often, I usually end up uh, doing a Q&A often. And people, every city we go, they go, ah, people don't stay for those. And what do you know it? No one leaves. Everyone I, would, I would expect they would stay. Because you've, they're fat. You can't have that show end. And now you want to know about Lenny. Because I'm guessing a lot of people don't know that much about him. And now you make us want to know when people leave, do you hope that they're leaving with just thoughts about Lenny Bruce? Or do you want them leaving with something even bigger than that in terms of their their views of life? Or, and I don't necessarily mean politics, but the show is bigger than just Lenny Bruce when I, several times I've seen it. You know, the the biggest compliment I get, and I got this from Patti Lapone, uh, she said she went home after the show and she Googled all the players. She was obsessed with finding out more and more and more. She wanted to know more. Me too. So that to me is like the biggest compliment. But, you know, look... I. Joe always answers that question by saying he hopes that it's time well spent for people. And they feel like that was really an important time to see that show, to have that experience. I have to agree with him. It's it's hard to uh, say exactly what I want, but I do. I have seen since I'm looking at the audience, most of the show, I have seen people open up in a different way even with body language they might come in like this and their legs are crossed and by the end their legs are not crossed and there's an openness and they're hearing yeah. it 
I've seen people transform and change right in front of my eyes with this material. And so it makes me so happy to think that I'm doing something that is worthwhile to a lot of people. And quite honestly, I'll get an email a month later going from a stranger saying, I can't stop thinking of Lenny. I just can't stop thinking of Lenny. You know, it stuck with me for a long time too. Now in the smaller venues, intimate venues, we get to talk to you afterwards. You come out, you meet the audience. Is that going to happen? I don't mean to put pressure, but is that going to happen at North Shore Center for Performing Arts? I can't help myself. So yes, it'll happen because, because <laughs> I try and, you know, I always say tonight, I don't have it in me. And then so, and then the energy I go, they deserve it. Like, you know, th- this show is an experience, not just on stage, but I just think the whole thing. And, you know, uh, look, we're, I always say, and I know Joe says this too, it always drives me crazy when an actor doesn't come out and after the show and do the thing. And I always feel like, we're in a public business, you know, and without the public, we have no business. And right. so, so I think it's important to connect with people on another level. And, uh, and if they took the time to see my work and, and watch me indulge myself in this story, I want to take the time to say thank you. And so, yeah. For somebody like me who's seen the show several times, but I'll ask that for people who've seen it once, why should they come back again? And I'm saying that because Chicago, so many know you here. Why should they see it a second time? Because first of all, there's a lot of new material. Um, I've shifted some things around. Um, I replaced a, a bit early on with two new bits. Oh, okay. And, uh, and every night is really, it's a, like a, a, it's like a breathing organism. It's like a new, it's, there's a new energy every night. Some nights it's a full on comedy with heart. Other nights it's completely devastating. It's a, it's an interesting journey. Where am I? Where's the audience emotionally? Where's everybody together? So I, 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 I think it's a fresh new show. Uh, not only with some of a lot of the materials different, I'm always tinkering, but also just the performance. You know, you guys haven't seen it in a couple of hundred performances now. I'm going to grab my charger so I don't lose you. You guys haven't seen the show in a couple hundred performances. And so that's, that's a big deal, you know? Um, it's evolved and it's changed a lot. And, and like I said, the material, the new material is super cool as well. You know, well, it's great to hear. And, and, and you don't worry about the charger because we're about out of time. So I just want to remind people where they can, can come see you. And it's at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts, which is a beautiful theater. As I said, for folks who are, know music theater works and their productions, that's where this is. Uh, there's a steakhouse right next door, by the way. And if you like burgers, go over to Hackney's. It's not too far. I grew up about just a few blocks from there. So, Well, you know, Paul, Paul, quickly, the other two things I want to say is that yeah. it's also a 900-seat theater. So if you saw it before, you haven't seen it in this experience. Well, that's what I'm thinking. That's right. It's, very, it's going to be different. And uh, and also, uh, Len- Lenny Bruce was Jewish. And I know a lot, and I, predominantly Jewish neighborhood in Skokie. And oh. I love that. And there's so much funny, like, you know, Jewish slang and, you know, we, we, it's a, it's great. I, I can't wait to bring it to Skokie. I've been excited about this. You'll be in the hood where I grew up. I can tell you that, uh, with, with lots to do. Uh, people can get tickets at northshorecenter.org, northshorecenter.org. That'll be on the website page as well. And if you haven't seen Ronnie Marmo doing, I'm not a comedian, I'm Ronnie Bruce, but this is the time to see it. I hope you come back for an extended run one day, but for now, one day only September 9th, two o'clock, eight o'clock, Two shows only. 
break legs, Ronnie. Have a great Thank time. Thank you, pal. And, and if anybody wants to go on, uh, down a rabbit hole, go to LennyBruceOnStage.com. And yes. you can read all the Chicago reviews from our last time. See videos, watch interviews with Joe. It's great. It's a so. great son. I meant to say that. So thank you. Thank you, you for got- being with me, my friend. I appreciate it. Break legs in Chicago. Thank you, Paul. I can't wait to see you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, pal.